Good afternoon, everybody. This is Omar Serrato with the Tilted Lawyer Podcast. We are back after a two-week hiatus, and I'm just going to warn you right off of the bat that the subject matter we're dealing with this afternoon is highly sensitive, and we're going to be dealing with subjects involving uh, death, murder, conspiracy, demons, zombies, and the like. We're going to be talking about the Lori Palo case, uh, so strap on in. It's going to be about an hour and a half or so of uh, talk about this case, and uh, let's get started. What's up, everybody? I'm Omar Serrato, experienced and practicing attorney, fierce litigator, and unofficial commentator on the most popular legal issues of the day. I'm the host of the Tilted Lawyer podcast, joined by Eliana Colon-Rosa and the TLP crew, where we break down the human aspects of law that everybody wants to talk about. I've been a practicing attorney for many years, but nothing in this show is or should be taken as legal advice. We're not going to pull any punches. We might even get a little bit dirty, but we want you to join us anyway. So, Lori Vallow, uh, most people know about this case because it's uh, that lady out of Utah that thought that her children were zombies or demons, and whenever she didn't like somebody, she would say that, oh, well, obviously you're a demon or you're possessed. That would include ex-husbands. It would include uh, current spouses of the author that she was dating. It would include, um, you know, people just she didn't like. Um, Well... She is on trial on trial right now for the murder of her children um, back in 2019 uh, with Chad Daybell. There is now it's a it's an interesting case because it's not as cut and dry as you think. A lot of people when I discuss Lori Vallow, oh, obviously she's guilty. A lot of that has to do with like the Netflix special that came out, and people know her through that narrative. They finally they struggled. Uh, getting a jury together that didn't know anything about or hadn't seen the Netflix special because they're doing this trial, you know, and everybody kind of knew how who she was. So getting an impartial jury was a bit of a challenge, but they managed. And by all accounts, it appears that the information that the jury is hearing at trial is the first time that they've heard anything about it. So, you know, it was a crazy case, and um, it involves a convoluted set of facts, and I kind of think that we should start with the timeline, but my first impressions of the case, now this is one that I had earmarked as one that we should do. Uh, we did a Letitia Stouch um, a couple of weeks ago, and that case was bad enough. And by the way, apologies, apologies to young Gannon. I took a lot of hate in the comments about, hey, he's not Connor. His name is Gannon. And then somebody was even like, you know, I really liked the show. I wanted it to be good, but I listen. I, I just can't get over the fact that he's calling him Connor. His name is not Connor. I'm very deeply invested in this case, and I won't stand for it. Well, to that person, I sincerely apologize, and I only say I did try to offer an apology. Sometimes my brain and what comes out of my mouth are not connected, and uh, for whatever reason, and Eliana did correct me halfway through the show. I was like, hey, his name is Gannon. Oh, yeah, I know that. I don't know why I was calling him Connor. I have no idea. I think it was because the previous case that we discussed. So it was a Connor in there. Um, did we discuss a Connor? I think so. One of the previous cases that we had discussed uh, on another day, I think there was the one where the teenager, isn't like the teenager that kills the other teenager? 
Heather oh, Walking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was Aiden Fucci. It's Aiden? And yeah, that was not a Connor. I don't know. I think what happened was... <laughs> Maybe I was he had reading, a client. Um, <laughs> no, I was, I was reading the arrest warrant, and uh. my vision is not as good as it used to be. And I saw Connor. It looked sort mm-hmm. of like Gannon. And so I just I just missed Saul. I apologize. Um, I was going to do a show last week, and I'll tell you what. It's been... I had a rough week. I had, you know, it's funny because we talked about in the uh, Stouch case, how Mm -hmm. we, you know, that poor public defender, you know, he's having to represent like this reprehensible woman who's very clearly, there's no question of guilt. And he's trying to convince a jury of 12 that she was insane at the time of uh, committing the murder of young Gannon. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a case like that. Last week, not nearly, not involving death. No, of course. Not involving Mm -hmm. that. It was involving a restraining order Mm -hmm. um, and just switching up some of the facts and just giving you some generalities. Mm -hmm. It was an obvious my client was guilty of what was alleged to have happened. Yes, she stormed in and into the dealership where the guy worked and raised a ruckus and threatened uh, all kinds of harm and Mm -hmm. threatened his child and text messages and... um, Physically assaulted him, thinking that he was having an emotional affair with uh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, he, she did all of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was one of these obvious, of course, she's going to get a restraining order. But, you know, uh, my client didn't want to settle. And, uh, you know, there's other issues in that case that were more important. So I was doing a restraining order trial. And what happens when you get involved in, in doing a trial? You kind of get engrossed in it. And I yes. had developed a defense for her. That if we were to be discussing it on this mm-hmm. show um, and you were to tell me that this was your defense, I would tell you, Ileana, um, you're going to lose, <laughs> obviously. So just make the best of it. Use it to get experience. Try some mm-hmm. new things, some new techniques or whatever. But you're going to lose. Well, I got invested. And, in you know, funny thing about me is when I get into trial, I get hyper competitive like Mm -hmm. I go through this whole process like um rocky montage you know climbing (laughs) mountains and you know the music in the background and I got my game face and you know I'm 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 reciting my speeches in Mm -hmm. the mirror and all of this stuff and I I I go for it I go Mm -hmm. and I've went for it in this case and I actually convinced myself (laughs) that I was going to convince this judge who'd been practicing who was a retired judge Mm -hmm. he'd been a um, retired for, I don't know, but he was a judge for like 30 years or something like okay. that. And he was just kind of needing something to do. Yeah. I thought that I was going to convince this judge that obviously she just had a bad day and, you know, the harm is gone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been a, enough time between now and the incident. There's there's nothing to talk about here. Let them both go their separate merry ways. There's no reasonable threat of violence, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, I gave my big monologue. I gave the big closing argument. And, um, you know, I, I was... I had the audience gripped, you know, and um, I had the the bailiff on my side. You know, Mm -hmm. I could tell that he was invested. I pulled him in and the court report, I could tell that she was hanging on my every word. Mm -hmm. And I had, I was reading the judge and he wasn't falling for it. Not a single, (laughs) I mean, he was, he just kept a poker face, but I still held it. I hope obviously Mm -hmm. I'm going to win this thing. And at the end, yeah, we're going to grant the restraining order for a period of five years. Like, oh, Uh -oh. (laughs) (laughs) That happens every now and then we get those clients. So 
I took it hard though. I took it way harder than yeah. I thought I was. And then at the end, I was talking to my client. I was talking to uh, the family, mm-hmm. and I was like, ah, well. And you know, the, the family is completely understanding. It's like, ah, yes. well. I mean, on those facts, if you had, maybe if you had better facts. So yeah, yeah. obviously, if I had better mm-hmm. facts, and then it was just like, ah, well, it did my best. But I take losses hard. Mm-hmm. It's why I hate going to trial especially when I know I got a difficult case like that because I know the fallout is going to be I'm going to get like deeply depressed for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it came time to doing the trial, I knew that you weren't going to be able to come in because you had your own trial yeah, that no, you were that going. Day, yeah, that <laughs> like day. It was just a no-go. And I, I contemplated doing a trial, but I, I started writing the show about what I was going to talk about and it was all depression and how it sucks being a lawyer. And like, <laughs> oh, no, no. You know, substance abuse. Like, you know what? I'm going to take a mental health break on the show for this week. And we'll pick up uh, where we were, where we left off next week. And that's where we are with uh, Lori Vallow. Uh, Why did I just go off on that tangent? Where were we? We were talking about Fushi. Um, About Connor and Gavin. Oh, yeah. I had that whole. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, enough of all of that. So we had a week. I had a week. Yes. Um, And uh, we're back. And I think that we should start the conversation with Lori Vallow by starting with the history of the case. Mm-hmm. So Lori Vallow was a former beauty queen. I oh. mean, she participated in these beauty pageants mm-hmm. and had won a myriad of awards mm-hmm. and had largely gotten by on her charm, on her good looks. Um, she very much weaponized her femininity and used it in a way to get what she wants, what she wanted. Mm-hmm. Four different husbands, one of whom is dead. Oh. Now uh, I remember a fact from to, the case yet. I'm, re- yeah. I'm starting to remember. <laughs> yes. gonna, a lot more is going to jog yes, your memory. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, you know, she was just one of these characters who, when you watched, if you did watch that Netflix documentary, it's infuriating to see the casual way that she deals with devastating evidence. Like, I remember there was... Uh, I want to say that it was when her ex-husband was murdered, mm-hmm. if you recall. Um, she had set up a whole scheme, allegedly, right? Mm-hmm. Now, she's on. She's facing charges for the conspiracy of the death of her ex-husband. I think his okay. name is Charles. Um, where she involved her brother, who was also yes, deceased. Yes, exactly. Right? Yes. And she lured him into the house, and then he mm-hmm. said, no, he came at me with a baseball bat, so I shot him. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and then she was upset that she didn't get to collect the life insurance money because he removed her as a beneficiary. Um, But when the cops were there, um, they were questioning her and, you know, she had just Mm -hmm. moved into the area and she was just casually talking to the cops and just, oh, I'm just like this innocent little lady, Mm -hmm. you know, sorry to the neighbors, you know, nice to meet you. And this casual nonchalant attitude that she had towards the whole thing was very off-putting. But, you know, that was her demeanor. Mm Mm-hmm. Chad Daybell, I don't know if you recall, is the author of, I think it was 25 doomsday revelation style books involving the church of uh, Latter-day Saints. Um, He wrote all of these books about, you know, these religious ideologies Mm -hmm. that had to deal with um, the end of the world and zombies and Mm -hmm. demons and all of this kind of stuff. Um, And she was an avid reader of him. She had struck up an affair um, obviously before they got married, but around mm-hmm. when he was still married to his wife, Tammy. So mm-hmm. Chad Daybell, March 9th, 1990, he met 
the woman that he would ultimately end up marrying, Tammy, um, in Utah. Married his first wife. Uh, they were a member of the Church of Latter-day Saints, the Mormon Church. Um, they uh, started an independent publishing company at that time called Spring Creek Book Company in around 2004. Um, and from that company is where he launched. Now, I'm not saying that he was like this prominent national figure. Mm -hmm. He literally started his own company and published his own books. So the stuff that he was putting out there was not like critically acclaimed or anything like that. It was not peer reviewed. Mm -hmm. It was just his own nonsense that he was putting out into the universe and mm -hmm. in his little circle of friends, they ate it up. And obviously this lady, uh, Lori ate that kind mm -hmm. of stuff up and he, get, he gathered a cult following of sorts. Um, in and around, uh, 2001, Lori, Lori Vallow, she mm -hmm. met her first husband, Tylee's dad, uh, Joseph Anthony Ryan. Um, it was actually, uh, I apologize, it's not her first husband. That was her third husband at that oh. point. That They got married in 2001. Uh, nobody knows the exact date that they were married. Uh, they went to have, uh, they would have Tylee um, September 24th of 2002. And uh, Joseph later adopted Colby, who was her oldest mm -hmm. son, surviving okay. son, whom we're going to hear from in this case because he gave some, there was a phone call between the two of them mm -hmm. where she was sitting in jail. Are you familiar with that call? He's basically confronting her like, uh, you know, my siblings are dead. Mm -hmm. and it's because of you. And I'm sick and tired of all of your bullshit. I have to watch the language that I use on this show. My mom was really <laughs> offended by my use of the C word and referring to Letitia Stouch. Oh. To which I apologize, but she earned it, you know. But I'm, I'm going to do my best to refrain. Um, moving on. Mm -hmm. Around February of 2006, Lori gets married to Charles, the now deceased Charles. Okay. Uh, they were married in Las Vegas. Um, he was her fourth husband, and he worked as a manager at a planning group um, in a marketing company. Um, around July of 2014, uh, Lori and Charles officially adopted JJ, okay. one of the, the victims mm -hmm. in this case. Um, his actual name was Joshua Bello. Um, he was on the autism spectrum. Um, I don't know what degree of autism he had. Mm -hmm. I think he had some some, some issues with communicating, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a daughter that's on the spectrum and so I've gotten more familiar than I would like, uh, with the symptoms of autism. And that's one of the, this case is heartbreaking to me in the fact that I recognize a lot of the traits that JJ had, mm -hmm. just looking at some of the old family videos and, you know, we just like this. Fun-loving kid, mm -hmm. and um, he had issues expressing himself, but he was clearly a bright young boy, and mm -hmm. um, he couldn't really communicate fully what was going on. There was this whole period about, you know, his grandparents looking for him, and then they were doing FaceTimes with him, and then it looked like he was trying to communicate that he was not comfortable where he was at, and I don't know. Um, I'm just going to say that little JJ deserved a lot better than what he ended up with. Mm -hmm. um, I'll look. At the end of uh, 2014, Charles and Laura, they moved to Hawaii <laughs> with Tylee and JJ. Um, according to business records that were filed by the Vallos, the family moved um, to uh, Kauai. And uh, Lori was later found vacationing on the same island, Chad Day Bell, in January 2020. And that was a time around the time when they were looking for her children. Like, hey, enough. Mm -hmm. Where's the kids? And she was trying to put on this, oh, no, they're fine and they're healthy. She was trying to get her friends mm -hmm. to lie. Um, Anyway, in 2015, 
Lori is reported to be obsessed with Chad Daybell's Doomsday books. Um, she was clearly part of his little small cult following mm-hmm. from his self-funded publishing company. Um, she was especially infatuated with a book called Standing in Holy Places. It was a fictional series about various exciting prophesized events that still must occur before the second coming. Um, another example of a novel that he wrote, The Great Gathering, a novel by Chad Daybell. Um, you're familiar, I'm, I'm assuming, with his pictures, correct, Mr. Daybell? Um, I don't remember him. I do remember her because I've seen many pictures of her. But... Well, just to put it, I mean, most people are familiar with what he looks like. Mm-hmm. Those pictures of them on their wedding or their honeymoon in Hawaii mm-hmm. where he's like bright face smile and Lori's like looking off lovingly at him mm-hmm. with the ocean in the background all the while their children have just been murdered <laughs> and um, you know they're moving on with life according to plan uh, the way that they had set it up That's crazy. here's the thing about this case this is a circumstantial case this case although we have our beliefs about what occurred between Chad and Lori and the plan to get rid of the children, the plan Mm -hmm. to get rid of his wife, the plan to get rid of her husband. Um, It's all circumstantial. There is no physical evidence Mm -hmm. whatsoever that ties anybody to the murders. So the way that the DA is going about prosecuting this case is they're bringing up Charles' death. They're bringing up Tammy's death. They're bringing up, obviously, the children. And they're trying to show and prove that there was a common scheme, a Mm -hmm. common manner in which Chad Daybell and Lori would go about executing people, which is what they did. She would go about, she would recruit people, Mm -hmm. essentially um, her brother, Mm -hmm. who was the guy that actually killed Charles. That's not in dispute. Yeah. Um, It's also suspected that Charles killed the children. I think that was mentioned in the Netflix documentary, um, but it doesn't matter. Because if they could, the DA can prove that she was a principal piece mm-hmm. of the conspiracy and that anybody moved at her directive in a substantial way to try to effectuate the conspiracy, then she could be guilty of murder. Obviously, the murders occurred. Mm-hmm. That's how they're going about trying to prove this case. And I bring that up to say that um, if you think that this case is a slam dunk, it is not. No. It is not. Just because she's a crazy lady that talks about her children being possessed mm-hmm. and people that she doesn't like as being possessed or demons or zombies doesn't mean that it's obvious to a jury that knows nothing about those facts mm-hmm. that she is guilty of what's being alleged. So the DA has their work cut out for them. So far, by all accounts, they're doing a great job. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say, <clears throat> and I'm calling it right now, don't be surprised if... Um, when this case goes to jury, that there are some issues with the verdict. Hmm. It could be a hung jury. Yeah. Juries like to have physical evidence. Um, it's all up in the air. You know, who knows? And so all of the things that I'm talking about right now, mm-hmm. the jury would not have had knowledge of prior to this case. Okay. All right. So December 5th of 2018, uh, that is the first documented connection of Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow. They first appeared together in a, a no-name uh, religious podcast called Time to Warrior Up, which if I were to start a religious podcast, 
I couldn't think of a more corny name to name something. Now, you can say what you want about the Tilted Lawyer or whatever, but I'm proud of the name <laughs> that I came up with to, to name our production. But time to warrior up. I just, oh, oh. It just gives me such a sour feeling mm-hmm. when I think about that name. But she, the first connection was on this, pro, this podcast. Um, and it was geared towards people that were doomsday preppers. Uh, that Lori's relatives worried was a religious cult. And the two appeared with others on several different Preparing a People podcasts, many of which talked about the end of the world, the organization that produced Preparing the World. Content has since been taken down, uh, but that was the first documented connection mm-hmm. between Chad and Lori. And in the midst of all of that, while she's still married to uh, Charles, well, I mean, they began an affair. So July 8th of 2019, Charles files for divorce from Lori. So he's well aware at this yeah. point. If you recall the documentary, he knows about this Chad Daybell mm-hmm. guy and she's writing it off. So, oh, he just, he's this guy that writes these books and <laughs> this uh, marshmallowy looking guy from the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And, um, you know, he's writing all of these books and, well, he files for divorce. He's had enough. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Lori is starting to descend further and further into these delusions, these religious delusions that she's been having. Um, she's getting weirder and weirder by the day. Now, look, I don't have anything against people that claim any religion, mm-hmm. and I'm certainly not going to talk about my religion um, or anybody else's. I'm mm-hmm. just saying that some people use religion to their own ends. Oh, yeah. And some people that have mental illnesses or otherwise um, tend to have these grandiose religious ideologies that is well documented with people uh, that have brain damage, for example, that are bipolar, that are schizophrenic, that have um, social anxiety, they have Mm -hmm. all of this stuff. All of it tends to descend into these religious ideologies that are taken out of context and made in these grandiose spectrums that they start to believe that, hey, my child is a zombie, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's the origin of all of that. So let's fast forward to July 11th of 2019, Okay, this fateful day. Got to make sure that we're all good. Um, <clears throat> Charles goes to Lori's rental home in Chandler, Arizona. He's just going there to pick up his son. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get JJ. Yeah. Um, he has an altercation with Lori's brother, Alex Cox. That guy was a character. He was a wannabe comedian. He actually has material out there. If you go and search out Alex Cox, you could uh-huh. find some of his stand-up. It's not funny. Mm-hmm. But he was a troubled... There's a lot of behind-the-scenes context mm-hmm. between Lori and Alex. Okay. Um, there was some mention on, from the testimony from this trial, no less, that they had inappropriate sexual relationship. Maybe not overtly sexual, but just, mm-hmm. like, uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, they would, like, simulate sex, sex acts with their clothes on in front of people, thinking that it was, like, this normal thing. But it was just their relationship. They just had this weird, bizarre, yes, yes. crazy relationship, <laughs> right? I can um, so, you, you get the picture. Yeah. <laughs> but he was highly influenced by Lori. And so, if she recruited him, which is the suggestion... That is made by the prosecution, and we're going to listen to some key mm-hmm. moments of testimony. Um, it would have been very easy for her to recruit him to do anything for her. They had this very special bond, whatever, mm-hmm. like, whatever you think of it was weird or not, but he was willing to do whatever. Mm-hmm. And so Charles goes to the home. He's there to pick up JJ. 
Alex claims that he was attacked with a baseball bat and in self-defense fatally shot Charles in the chest twice. And you want to know what? The police at the time bought it. Yes, that I remember. She got away with it. Mm -hmm. He got away with it, right? Nothing, none of them were prosecuted. Mm -hmm. Even though Charles was actively saying to the police, hey man, um, I don't know what's up with Lori, but it feels like she's trying to kill me. She's out of her mind. She's lost her rocker. I think there was visits from CPS at the time saying, hey, oh. the welfare of the children or why are they missing school or where are they at or that, that, those kinds of things, concerns. They were at Lori's house often. Mm-hmm. You know, they got to know her pretty well. But you want to know the trouble with a person like Lori Vallo? <laughs> she happens to be a middle-aged, attractive white mm-hmm. lady that had this ability to disarm. Mm-hmm. Whether that be through the use of her femininity mm-hmm. or through the use of her socioeconomic status, she was able to get one over on the cops. Mm-hmm. And if she said something, it's like, ah, I mean, you know, it sounds reasonable to me. Mm-hmm. There's never any follow up to it, which makes me wonder in the future after this uh, criminal trial is over, if there's any civil suits pending against the police department for failure to act mm-hmm. Which I don't know. I'm I'm not the attorney to bring that case, but yeah. I'd imagine that some would try. Um, but she had this aura about her that she was above fray. Mm-hmm. That um, she spoke with an authority, and she had this ability to manipulate people in mm-hmm. the moment mm-hmm. where you were disarmed, and she said it with in such a way that nah makes sense. We're gonna we're gonna look somewhere yeah. else. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, it got, and she carried that on all the way until her children were missing and they kept on trying to just, look, I just need a welfare check on the child. Just show us any sign that they're alive. And when she couldn't produce the children or even appease the cops Mm -hmm. to just say that, Hey, they're fine. That's when they finally arrested her in Hawaii. Mm. That's how that all came about. But they gave her too much rope. You know, this could have been, I mean, the alarm bells were set off. Well, prior yeah. to the the deaths occurring, you I know? think that's one of the things that I remember, like seeing in the news that they gave her like a specific date to produce the children. Yeah, um, and she didn't. I think I remember seeing. Oh, that. they did over and yeah. over. They said, "Hey, give us any sign, any sign, mm-hmm. any sign." And not only was she not give her signs, but she was trying to recruit her friend Melanie to um, lie for her. Say, mm-hmm. "Hey, just say that you saw the children. And everything's cool." And Melanie's like, "No, I'm not going to do that. What are you mm-hmm. talking about? Just show them the kids." <laughs> and, and she got to testify in this trial. Oh um, my! Now the trial's been going on for a couple of weeks. Now we're not going to get to all of the evidence, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely going to share some of the key moments um, from the trials and the strongest evidence so far in the case building against Lori mm-hmm. Vallow. Um. So, July 11th, Charles is shot and killed. On August 10th of 2019, that's the last time that Larry and Kay Woodcock ever speak with JJ. JJ, Mm -hmm. JJ's grandparents. Okay. They're the grandparents. They last made contact with him around August of 2019, a couple days before August 10th. Um, They said they FaceTimed with him for like 35 seconds, and that was when it looked like they said that JJ looked like he was cognizant that somebody was watching him. Mm-hmm. Like he was looking at the camera, but he was looking away and looking at the camera and as if somebody was making sure he didn't say anything, you know? Yeah. Um, that would have been on August 10th. So September of 2019, 
Lori, Tylee, and JJ move to Rexburg, um, Idaho. Okay. At the beginning of September, and according to Lori's landlord, um, he asked the family to vacate the home where the shooting took place, possibly prompting their move to Rexburg, Idaho. And Tylee originally planned to move in with a friend in Arizona, but she decided she wanted to remain with her little brother. And that was according to Tylee's friends. Mm-hmm. Um, she was just protective of JJ, was, was the quote. September 23rd of 2019, JJ's last seen at his new school in Rexburg, Idaho. He briefly attended Kennedy Elementary School before Lori just took him out of school and decided he was going to be homeschooled. Mm -hmm. Um, She reportedly told the school's principal that she would be homeschooling him. The last confirmed sighting of Tylee is unknown. However, police believe she was last seen around this time as well. So according to police, Lori and Chad told witnesses that Tylee died in 2017. And Chad told another witness that Lori had no minor children. The couple, ne- the couple never reported any children missing to the authorities. So things are just starting to get yeah. weird. It's kind of starting to fall off the rails. Um, it looks to me like Lori was a lot better at this than Chad. Mm-hmm. Chad was kind of a dork and just kind of following. Here's what I feel like. I feel like Lori... Was three levels above Mm -hmm. Chad's league. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not one to say whether or not Chad was an attractive man Mm -hmm. or not. I'm just saying that it looks to me like Lori was probably out of his league. If you ask me now, I mean, she's been in prison for a long time. Her looks are rapidly diminishing. (laughs) She is rapidly aging. It's not going as well, but, Mm -hmm. you know, she had this ability prior to this, to use her femininity, her sexuality to Mm -hmm. her advantage. And I think that she roped in Chad, and Chad just kind of went along with his plan and this scheme. But he was not as well versed in it as Lori was. Mm -hmm. And so he's over here talking about giving people conflicting stories, and that's Mm -hmm. how you get caught, you know? Um, But let's move on. Um, Here's where it starts to get even weirder. So don't forget that I mentioned that Chad was married to Tammy Daybell, right? Mm -hmm. She's still alive and well. Good. She has no idea. <laughs> she's about, lucky. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's not so lucky after this. So, okay. Tammy Daybell calls the police after a masked assailant attempted to shoot her with a paintball gun, no less. A paintball gun. So, she was unloading groceries from her car. Mm-hmm. A man in a ski mask, talk about like a amateur you know, mm-hmm. um, attempted to shoot her with what she believed was a paintball gun at their home in Salem, Idaho. I submit to you that it was not a paintball gun. It was probably an AR-15 style rifle that was silenced okay. that resembled the sound of a paintball gun. Could be. No, she was trying. They tried to murder her. Mm-hmm. They missed. They failed. Okay. I believe that the person that tried to do it may have been the brother Alex, Mm -hmm. why do I know that? Mm -hmm. Because some of the testimony from uh, Alex's wife suggests that was the case. Mm -hmm. And we're going to hear some of that testimony later. Um, But at at any rate, she believed it was a paintball gun. Tammy calls the police. The guy gets away before deputies arrive. Um, Investigators at the Fremont County Sheriff believed it was a prank. Never found the man. It wasn't a prank. No, Mm -hmm. that was an assassination attempt. They just missed. Yeah. 
And the guy freaked out and fled, right? So October 19th, maybe 10 days, 10 days later mm-hmm. from the paintball gun incident slash AR-15 incident, uh, Tammy's found dead in her home at the age of 49, um, according to Rexburg Police Department. Um, after Chad had refused to order an autopsy, the coroner listed her death as natural. But guess what? They exhumed her body and later determined mm-hmm. the cause of death to be asphyxi- blah, asphyxiation. Okay. Do you think a guy like Chad Daybell could have asphyxiated his wife? Knowing what you know about him. Well, I don't know. I I find it more likely that she's the one that did, like probably asphyxiated uh her, like the well, I don't think that Lori, Lori like strangled her to death. There's no, no way that happened. Um, if you ask my opinion, somebody did. No, the brother. <laughs> but asphyxiation by what means, though? Are we talking about strangulation that would have left marks? I mean, I don't know. Mm. She was asphyxiated is the mm-hmm. point. They said natural causes. It was actually asphyxiation. Um, anyway, fast forwarding to November, November of 2019. Just a, a, couple, um, a, a couple of weeks after the death of his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow are now married. Happily. Happily married couple within a couple of weeks of Tammy's death. November 26th. Um, the police are trying to figure out what's up with JJ. Where is JJ? Mm-hmm. Where is Tylee? Um, they conduct a well-being check on JJ. And after Larry and Kate Wilcock, they, they, the grandparents, they raised mm-hmm. a concern. They hadn't seen or heard from JJ in months. The Rexburg Police Department goes to Chad and Lori's home to conduct a welfare check. The couple told officers at the time that J.J. was staying with relatives in Arizona, mm-hmm. which police later discovered was untrue. And remember, she's trying to get mm-hmm. Melanie, her friend, yes. to lie for her. Police officers go to the couple's home again the next day with a search warrant, but the couple was gone. Where were they? In Hawaii on their honeymoon, taking these <laughs> stupid marital... Oh, I cannot stand... You know, my assistant is mm-hmm. getting married, and she mm-hmm. took uh, these these pictures. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the, you know what I'm talking the about. The save the date. Yeah. You know, put it oh, we're running on the beach, holding hands and smiling with the ocean <laughs> in the background. It's like, oh, what do you think of these pictures? They're kind of corny. <laughs> they were pretty. I saw them. <laughs> they were pretty. I'm sure that you liked them. If you ask my opinion, I'm not for all of that. I don't think <laughs> yeah. any men, well, not any, but most men are not for that type of picture i never did any when i got married and even the wedding pictures i, I you could see that my husband was struggling like <laughs> like how much time do we have left but i mean it is what it is i did suggest memories. that um <laughs> I, I did i did tell melissa that there's no way that your husband wanted to take these pictures like oh no it was his idea it's like there's no way that that's true <laughs> there's no way that it's true but hey hey I'm not going to say anything more about that, but I'm just going to say I'm not a fan of those pictures. Mm-hmm. These 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 uh, corny um, manufactured, mm-hmm. always on the beach, always holding hands, always wearing a white button up shirt and prancing on the beach and the stupid smiles on their face. Oh, I cannot tell you how much I hate those pictures. <laughs> I can't stand it. Just take regular pictures like your grandparents mm-hmm. before you. But anyway, moving on, moving on. Um I'm way angrier about that than I should be. I can tell. <laughs> you know? um, 
Okay, so the welfare check um, didn't work out. December 11th, authorities decide to further investigate the death of Tammy. Like, hey, you know, it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. They're starting to get some, these strange vibes from the Chads, mm-hmm. from the Chads, from Chad and Lori. Um, they decide they're going to investigate Tammy's death. Now they're believing it's to be suspicious. Yeah, no shit, right? Um, given Chad's disappearance, the mysterious masked assailants, the paintball gun, mm-hmm. that was not a paintball yeah. gun. That was an AR-15. Uh, Tammy's body was exhumed. They do an autopsy. Obviously, they find out that, oh, she actually died by asphyxiation. So, <clears throat> December 12th, here's where it gets interesting. Er, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess um, the- Alexander Cox, mm-hmm. Lori Daybell's brother, dies. He's found unresponsive in Gilbert, Arizona. Um, it was later released that his cause of death was caused by blood clots in his lungs. What's interesting about that is the cops were circling around him, trying to interrogate him, get more information into the mysterious deaths of Charles and others. And then he just drops dead. Is that because of Lori? I don't know, but I'll tell you what. Prosecutors are Mm -hmm. trying to make it seem like that's what it was Mm -hmm. because, you know. He's all part of this. She probably killed him, too, because mm. he was going to start to spill the beans yeah, exactly. on some stuff, and he's not mentally strong enough to be able mm-hmm. to do what I could do, mm-hmm. you know? Um, at any rate, December 20th, the Rexburg Police Department officially announced an investigation into the disappearance of Tylee and JJ. They've already, they're already deceased. I believe yeah. that their time of, um, of death would have been around late August, um, if I recall correctly. Um, but they announced that the disappearance is a thing. They ask for the public's assistance. Um, an attorney representing Chad and Lori issues a statement on behalf of the couple denying any wrongdoing. Um, oh, Chad Daybell was a loving husband and has the support of his children in, the, in this matter. Lori Daybell is a devoted mother mm-hmm. and resents assertions to the contrary. I cannot stand, I can't stand these stupid written statements that attorneys mm-hmm. do. I just can't. Just keep your mouth shut I just in. Can't. It's one of <laughs> Don't the things say anything. I refuse to do. I'm not going to write a freaking statement for you that, you know, I know is, I mean, mm-hmm. gosh, I, 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 I hate it. I hate it. It's one of the slimiest parts about this profession, mm-hmm. you know? Um, at any rate, they put out a statement denying any culpability. Mm-hmm. December 27th of 2019, Chad's, Chad's friend, Julie Rowe, claims he had prophesied Tammy's death. What oh. the hell? Okay. So Julie Rowe, she's a friend of Chad's. She attempts to defend her friend as news of the investigation makes headlines. Rowe claims that Daybell had a vision from angels that Tammy would die years before her death in an interview conducted by Fox 13. Of course, <laughs> yes. of course, angels came and prophesied <laughs> into the short life and martyrdom of Tammy Daybell, you know, the ex spouse of Chad Daybell, the prolific author of all of these religious cult doomsday Mm -hmm. books, whatever. Um, January 3rd of 2020, the Rexburg Police Department and the FBI is now involved. They searched Chad and Tammy's former home. Uh, The FBI searched Chad, (coughs) excuse me, Uh, they found 43 items that were collected from the home, including computers, cell phones, journals, documents, medications, which were sent to a uh, a forensic expert team. Um, On January 5th, Lori's first son, Colby, makes a public plea to his mom. 
Mm-hmm. He posts a video on YouTube pleading with his mother to bring Tylee and JJ home safely. You have the power to end this. You have an opportunity to put all of this to rest. Um, he was prominently featured on the Netflix special. And, um, you know, he's a good-looking kid. Mm-hmm. He, he seems like he has a good head on his shoulders. But he has been severely affected emotionally by imagine? all of this. Imagine <laughs> finding out that or having suspicions that your mom is this religious cult leader mm-hmm. that is responsible for the deaths of people and having to cope with the reality of that. And, you know, the kid had a hard enough childhood as it is. And now he's having to cope with learning that his mom may be responsible for the mm-hmm. death of his siblings. Um, he's been great, by the way, in trial. Um, he was great on the uh, the phone call that was conducted. Um, but he's, um, you know, he did a good job. Uh, on January 25th of 2020, the local authorities, they locate Chad and Lori in Kauai. As the search for JJ and Tylee continued, uh, local Hawaiian authorities found Chad and Lori vacationing in Hawaii. It's their honeymoon, right? Yeah. Um, well, actually, is it still their honeymoon or are they just on vacation? It, it doesn't matter. Um, but they didn't have well, the children with them was the point. They were uh, living over there already? Well, they were staying in a luxury condo. Okay. At the Kalani... Uh, uh, Kailani of uh, Princeville townhomes priced at sixty one fifty a month. They were largely living on the proceeds from insurance payouts mm. from the deaths of various people, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> now, one of the motives uh, for these deaths was, oh, we could just arrange for the death of my ex-husband, Charles, and I'll be able to collect that insurance money. Mm-hmm. We could just arrange for the death of Tammy Daybell, and then you could collect the insurance proceeds. And on that, we could fund this uh, luxurious sixty-one fifty a month in the Princeville townhomes in Hawaii, in Kauai, um, living that we're going to have. One of the motives, right? Yeah. Of course, it's never it's never just about religion and morals mm-hmm. and purpose. It's always about the money, money. isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. Money, revenge. I, I gotta tell you what, man. I need I need a break from these cases sometimes. I just I get so tired. I get so tired. Mentally, yeah. It's it's exhausting. It is. It is. <clears throat> when authorities searched the unit uh the couple had been staying at since mid-December, they found no evidence that sh- the children were ever there. Not a room, not a bed, mm-hmm. no football bed or bunk beds or whatever, uh not fruit loops in the closet or Pantry or, you know, whatever. None of the stuff you Just expect. adult stuff, yeah. Yeah. If you go to my house, it's mm-hmm. like a freaking preschool. I'll tell you that. Um, it's just when you have kids, they kind of take exactly. over your living space, mm-hmm. man. You're not, um, you were no longer adult autonomous, so mm-hmm. to speak. Anyway, on January 3rd, it's about five days after they locate the daybells. Uh, Lori misses the deadline. They said, look, they gave, they gave her, they were the end of their tether. Mm-hmm. With Lori, like enough with the bullshit. You need to produce the children or you're going to be placed under arrest. The deadline for that timeline was January 30th of 2020. Lori failed to comply with the court order to physically produce Tylee and JJ to the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare. She was given the order on January 26th and was given five days to locate her missing children. Her adopted son's grandmother, Kay Woodcock, who is also Vallow's former sister-in-law, said she believed law enforcement would hold the monster accountable. And, of course, she was referring to Lori. Fast forward about a week to February 6th. 
Arizona police investigate Vallow's connection to the late husband Charles' life insurance policy. And long story short with that, she is currently facing charges um, out of the law enforcement's suspicions in her role in the conspiracy of the murder of, of Charles, her husband, right? Okay. But this was the, uh, the, the uh, origin mm-hmm. of that investigation. Um, it was reported that he was shot and killed by her brother, Alex Cox. Detectives began looking at Vallow's connections to a life insurance policy. And according to uh, Sergeant McClymans of the Chandler Police Department, uh, she was a person of interest. Um, also on February 6th, a surveillance video show Vallow dumping her children's things into a storage unit. <laughs> so it's starting to build. Yeah. February 20th, Vallow was charged and arrested for deserting and not supporting her children. She was arrested in Hawaii mm-hmm. for multiple charges, including two felony counts of desertion, non-support of dependent children. Vallow was held on $5 million uh, bail. Okay. I can't talk. I apologize. Um, the Kauai Police Department said and other charges against her included resisting um, resisting arrest and obstructing police officers, criminal solicitation to commit a crime, and contempt of court. So at this point, the $5 million bail, that's not for somebody that's only accused of those things. Mm-hmm. That's for somebody that they know probably murdered those kids. Mm-hmm. They know. Yeah. They know. They don't have the bodies but they know they're mm-hmm. building a case. They're charging them what they can get her for. And right now, $5 million bail on child neglect. That's because they yeah. think she murdered the kids. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so February 24th, a uh, new footage pinpoints. Tylee was in Yellowstone national park before her brother disappeared. And that's the very famous, mm-hmm. that was part of the uh, very famous uh, Netflix documentary that documented as such. Mm-hmm. They go on this Yellowstone trip and they go back uh, mm-hmm. home and then they're, you know, it is proposed by that special that Alex was somehow involved in the murders. Mm. But it was around this time uh, that everything kind of went down. Court records revealed that surveillance footage pinpointed where Tylee was last seen, the Yellowstone National Park. Tylee was last confirmed, sighting uh, had been previously unknown. And although law enforcement officers said she likely disappeared around the same time as her brother, J.J. was seen two weeks after the footage from Yellowstone on September 17th, playing with a neighbor, which was documented by footage from a doorbell camera. So fast forward to mm-hmm. June 10th. Uh, the bodies of J.J. and Tylee are now found on Chad's property. And that's where it all just kind of yeah. goes down. <clears throat> um, they had warrants. To, to, to search Chad's property. Mm-hmm. Lori was already in jail, if you recall. Chad was not in jail at that point. He was home. He made a jailhouse phone call to Lori, which was recorded that we're going to listen to mm-hmm. later in the show. And I'm um, saying, yeah, cops are here. They're looking around, and it wasn't like, oh, well, what are they looking for? Mm-hmm. What could they possibly want with their home? You know, why are the cops there? It was nothing like that. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, cops are there. And he had this resignation in his voice. And Lori had this resignation mm-hmm. in her voice. And they had, like, this very mysterious um, mental connection, like, yeah, we're about to, it's about to hit the fan. Okay. And it was like, I love you, and I love you, and, oh, Hang up. They knew what was coming. Oh, they knew they were going to find the kids. And so Chad um, tried to make a run for it. Or the cops thought that he was going to try to make a run for it. So he left 
his property while the search was in tow. But, oh, no, you're not going anywhere, Chad. And so they kind of followed him. And when they found the bodies, they pulled him over and arrested his ass. And, uh, by the way, uh, this is the trial of Lori Vallow. Mm -hmm. They were once co-defendants, but motions were granted to have them Mm -hmm. tried separately. Which just means that the DA has to do this trial twice, Mm -hmm. once for Lori, once for Chad. Um, and that's how that is. Uh, the, the trial for Chad is pending. Okay. Um, amongst a, a, a great deal of other things. <clears throat> so on May 25th of 2021, mm-hmm. not quite a year, about 11 months after the discovery of the bodies, Lori and Chad are indicted in the murders of JJ, Tylee, and Tammy. Why did it take so long, you ask? Well, because they don't have any physical Mm -hmm. evidence tying them to the murder. They know that they have two dead children. They don't know the manner of which they died Mm -hmm. because the bodies were quite decomposed at the time. Um, They showed the autopsy photos to the jury, photos that I have not seen. Um, But by all accounts of people that have seen them, the photos were quite disturbing. Um, They have the photos of... uh, Tylee, mm-hmm. you know, they have their suspicions, but the only tie that they have uh, linking Lori and Chad to these murders is the circumstantial evidence that they've been presenting to the jury, mm-hmm. which is, well, the common scheme, common plan, yeah. this Hiding. is what we know, you know, them doing this and that. Mm-hmm. That's what they're basing this case off of. They're not going to be any, this isn't going to be like the Alex Murdoch case mm-hmm. where, oh, there was two guns and, and gunshot residue and, you know, Forensic evidence, mm-hmm. and we got him on the uh, the cell phone video um, minutes before the death of his son. And no, it's, there's nothing like that in this yeah. case. This is completely as about as circumstantial as it gets, which is what worries me because um, anything could happen yes. in these kinds of cases. I will give uh, the listening audience uh, some comfort, and if they don't get them for the children, mm-hmm. there's still the Tammy daybell case Mm -hmm. that is pending um, and a myriad of other charges that are also pending. So we'll see. We'll see. But on May 25th of 2021, uh, Lori and Chad are indicted. They called them the doomsday couple. (laughs) That was what the media labeled them in Idaho. They pled not guilty to the charges. Of course, Uh, they were charged with the conspiracy to commit first degree murder and grand theft by deception for the death of Tylee Ryan. First-degree murder for the death of Tylee Ryan, conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, and grand theft by deception for the death of J.J. Vallow, and, of course, first-degree murder for the death of J.J. Vallow, and then conspiracy to commit murder in the first degree in the death of Tammy Daybell. June 24th of 2021, Lori is indicted for the the killing of her fourth husband, Charles. Did you forget about him? So, Tammy... (laughs) Charles and the children. They got three cracks at this. You know, something's going to stick. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the evidence that is coming out supporting the deaths of uh, the two others are going, well, they're coming out already in in, in this case for the children. Mm -hmm. Um, October 21st, the Chandler police release a trove of documents showing the couple's bizarre cult beliefs. And this is where (laughs) it gets, I mean, it's already bizarre, but, you know, just the level of bizarreness. Um. And Liana, what is, what is your personal beliefs on exorcism and demons and zombies? I can't even stand movies about zombie, zombies or demons or anything similar. 
So I think that says a lot. <laughs> Have you ever seen The Exorcist? No, I know about the movie, but I've never seen it. Have you ever seen the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose? No. I highly encourage you to watch both of those movies for one. <laughs> they're mandatory. If you're a fan of horror movies, which you may or may not be. I'm not. That's why I haven't seen them. Why would I? I mean, I guess right now, maybe you don't have to pay for it, but why would I put myself through something that is going to scare me? Like, it doesn't make sense. It's not fun being scared. Eliana, you are a working professional. <laughs> you own a law firm. Mm -hmm. You are one of the smartest people I know. You've gone through all of this stuff to try to, uh, you know, to propel yourself mm -hmm. into this career you have. And you're worried about a horror flick scaring you. I have because issues with that. Apparently, it does make something to my mind because then I can't sleep. I don't know. It's just <laughs> that and the movies about the world ending, like the, I don't know, like the tsunami plus earthquake, all that together. Like those type of movies, I, I it's just too much. <laughs> I understand. I guess I have enough with my cases. I don't need to add more to that. <laughs> You know, I feel like um, my horror flick sensor mm -hmm. is broken. Well, that I'm happens too. I'm not scared by any of this stuff anymore. Yeah. Like I watch, I used to love watching horror films. I just don't get scared. Mm -hmm. I don't get interested. Mm -hmm. Like it's all the same stuff. Like uh, the scariest movie I ever saw was The Exorcist. I saw that movie when I was 11 years old. Oh. Because my dad, uh, who has been on the show before... But um, he's a very irresponsible parent in that he left his 11-year-old son alone in his apartment in Baldwin Park on Halloween night. Oh, my. Because I was talking shit about, oh, The Exorcist, it can't be that scary. It's from the mm -hmm. 70s. Oh, well, you're going to watch it by yourself, dipshit. 70s um, movies. Play with me, man. And so I was sitting there by myself watching The Exorcist, and this girl's flailing about on the mattress, going up and down, and, you know, levitating off of the bed and spitting pea soup into the face of uh, Father Marin mm -hmm. and... Oh, I was traumatized for years after that. I could not walk into a dark room without seeing visions of uh, this this uh, demon-possessed mm -hmm. girl. Um, but after that, I got over it. I just don't have that sensor anymore. I'm not scared by any of that stuff. So my, my horror movie sensor is broken, and so I cannot relate to your fear of these movies is all I'm trying to Mine say. Mine was completely the opposite. I think when I was younger, maybe like a teenager, I was able to watch them. I guess it was fun at that yeah. moment. But as I've gotten older, I, I don't think it's so much about like the part where it actually scares you. It's the like suspense right before. <laughs> the jump that, scares. Yes. That like, you know, something's going to happen. I just close my eyes and be like, okay, let me just wait until it happens so that I don't have to go through that. But I mean, that's why, I mean... Zombies, they don't really scare me. I just find them dumb. Like zombies. <laughs> um, what is the other thing that they do a lot? Because um, the whole Walking Dead thing, it's like, no. I've never watched the show. Uh, I refuse. I'm not into zombies pointless. either. But I'll tell you who is into zombies. Um, my three-year-old, well, four-year-old now and my oh. two-year-old are really into zombies. <laughs> so our nighttime ritual is every night before we go to bed, 
they want to watch Thriller from Michael Jackson. Oh, but that's fun. Yeah, it's fun. They're dancing and stuff, <laughs> and it's not a scary thing, but it's yeah. like they're scared of the zombies, but oh, look, they're dancing. How mm-hmm. fun. And so that's their nighttime ritual. We watch that video, and then they go to bed. But whenever I want them to do something, it's like, oh, no, we got to go upstairs. There's a zombie. It's like, oh, no, there's a zombie. And then they run upstairs. And, you know, for as long as that's going to work on my children, I'm going to keep on using that one. I understand that there's an expiration date with that technique, Mm -hmm. but it's still effective. Um, But, you know, it's chilling to know that Lori, there's a darker, uh, there's, there's a darker tint Mm-hmm. with that technique and that she just, oh no, my son is a zombie, obviously, because he's demon-possessed. He has no soul. He must die. Which was basically to that level, that's Of delusion. Exactly. Because one thing is to just like zombie movies and another thing, or like zombies in general, and another thing is to believe that your son is a zombie and that you need to kill them. I'll tell you what, she has a lot better argument that uh, mm-hmm. she was insane at the time of the murders oh. um, than say, Letitia Stouch. Mm-hmm, exactly. You know, who, by the way, um, update on her case, mm-hmm. a lot more evidence has come out. They showed video of her punching a cop in the face, trying to escape when she was arrested. Oh. She literally was sitting in the back seat and took a full monster can, 16-ounce mm-hmm. can of monster, and smacked a cop in the face and was uh, apprehended at the time. And she got admonished by the judge for flipping off witnesses in the trial. I mean, we, we already went through all the details in her case, yeah. but she was literally flipping off witnesses. And the judge said, hey, listen, dipshit, mm-hmm. if you do that again, I'm going to bolt your hands to the bottom of your desk so the jury can't see that you're bolted in, but it's going to be really uncomfortable <laughs> yes. for you. So test me again. I dare you. You know, they literally had to have that conversation mm-hmm. with her as if she was 12, you know. That reminds me that this morning the judge threw uh, from the courtroom two witnesses because they kept interrupting whenever the the petitioner was testifying. You could hear the family members of the opposite party saying, liar, liar, <laughs> <laughs> or just rolling their eyes. And even oh. and the judge had it. She was, was this like, your clients? Your clients? No, no. I was just waiting for my uh, okay. case to be called. Okay. And I was like, oh, no, no. The poor thing. The attorney that was on that case was appearing remotely, so he couldn't see what was happening. <laughs> and the judge was like, your client's family is disrupting my courtroom. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I can't see them. But like, it was hey, bad. Family, could you knock it off, please? Oh, Seriously? No. You're not helping? It was bad. <laughs> yeah, that's why you don't appear remotely when you know that your clients are going to be there. Yeah. You just can't. You just, I, I learned that lesson a long time ago. You just can't. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to see what's going on when your clients are there. Control them. <coughs> but, okay, continuing on. The zombies. Um, yeah. So October 21st, um, Chandler police receive a trove of doc. Oh, we did talk about that. We're going to talk about our cult beliefs. So the documents included um, a total of over a thousand pages that were obtained by Insider investigating the July 2019 death of Valo's ex-husband, Charles. But they also helped piece together Valo's descent into a fantastical and apocalyptic belief system showing that Lori and Chad and their inner circle believed that the world was going to end in July of 2020. Well, they were We're wrong. We're still here. Yeah. (laughs) Um, A witness said that Daybell had even invented a light in dark scale, mm-hmm. ranging from zero to 100%, to represent a person's trustworthiness. 
So Valo and Dave Elaine often referred to Valo's ex-husband as Ned and said he had an unclean spirit. Of course he did. And that was, uh, he was far from the only one. So that's when they start learning about these weird, bizarre, if we don't like people or they disagree mm-hmm. with us, well, obviously they're um, 20% on the scale. They have an unclean spirit. They must be expelled, you know. And expelled to them obviously meant murdered, Murdering, right? yeah. On May 27th, uh, Lori is temporarily found unfit to stand trial. I just got done saying that, didn't I? Um, she was found unfit to stand trial in relation to the conspiracy to kill her two children. Uh, the trial case against her in Arizona, however, for Charles, proceeded. Um, on November 15th, Lori is found competent, um, and the case proceeds. So <clears throat> if, you were un- if you weren't found incompetent to stand trial... Here's what happens in California. I suspect also, you know, where Lori was uh, being tried. Mm -hmm. What happens is they hold you in detention until you're found competent to stand trial. It's not like you just get a a free. Oh no, you don't get out of prison. No, all right. Well, you're unfit to stand trial, so we can't have a trial. So therefore, Mm -hmm. so it's important to understand that you have a right in America. It's a Mm -hmm. constitutional right to have a a speedy trial. Mm -hmm. Why do they have that right? Because they can't just hold you in prison for two years when you may be innocent of the crimes Mm -hmm. you're being held for, and just you know stall, stall, stall. No, Mm -hmm. the DA has. you know, they, they have to get you in within a certain number of days. In mm-hmm. California, it's, it's 10 days after your arraignment or after you've been held to answer or within 30 days of the time that you give your plea um, that you have to have the trial mm-hmm. because they're not just going to hold you indefinitely. So when they find you incompetent to stand trial, you lose all of those rights. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to hold you in prison until you're found competent. You know, I actually had a case where um, my client mm-hmm. was found incompetent to stand trial. The DA was literally trying to just end the case. Okay. We're literally just trying to just make him plead guilty to this, and we're going to give him credit for time served, meaning he's been in jail long enough. Let's let him okay. go. But my client kept on making a, a scene every time he would yeah. appear in court. He, would, um, he was acting crazy. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't take his meds. I spent hours in jail visits mm-hmm. with this guy trying to convince him to take his med, please take your medication. I promise it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing was, I am not going to be forced um, because the government's trying to yeah. uh, force me to take these medications because they're trying to dull my senses mm-hmm. and not let me think freely. And I'm not going to be a servant and all this crazy yeah. conspiracy there. And I'm just saying, dude, all he wanted to let you all they're trying to do is let you get out. out yeah. That's all they want to do. <laughs> we're trying out, to help you. <laughs> don't take your meds all you want. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, if you don't take your meds and they keep giving the, this judge reports mm-hmm. um, that you're going to, that you're not taking your meds, they don't have any basis to find that you're competent. Mm-hmm. The judge in that case happened to be one of my coaches on the trial team mm-hmm. when I was in law school. And so I knew the judge really well. Um, and it was maybe this whole six-month ordeal of jail visits and me trying to convince my client mm-hmm. to work with the family. I would literally have his family in here saying, mm-hmm. look, this is what's going on. This is what the DA is trying to do. I just got to find a way to get him to take his mm-hmm. meds. Um, and finally, he took his meds, and then everything was fine. Oh, nice. Yeah, and then they <laughs> let him out, and then he was released the next day. And he's probably not taking his meds right now. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know? But um, he got out, is the mm-hmm. point. 
But he was in there for maybe a year and a half longer than he should have been because uh, they couldn't find him competent to stand trial. So when Lori was found incompetent, it just means, all right, well, we're just going to hold you here until you are competent. They find her competent in November 15th, and the case proceeds. Um, On April 10th, which, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, Mm -hmm. they begin opening statements, and they begin the trial in this case. So here's, here's the deal. Excuse me. There's conspiracy charges that are tied to this. Um, and the charges are simply that Lori entered into an agreement to kill these people, the children and Charles. And that either her or one of the participants of the scheme took overt steps in the execution of the agreement. That's the mm. conspiracy charge, right? They're charging her with both. She's also charged for the murder on these grounds. They don't have to prove that Lori carried out the murder herself Mm -hmm. because of the conspiracy, right? They just have to prove that she was a direct principal, meaning she was either Mm -hmm. calling the shots or substantially involved in calling the shots. Uh, That she either aided and abetted and advised or encouraged or compelled and encouraged Mm -hmm. an individual to commit the murder. If they make those findings then they can find her guilty for the murders. Mm-hmm. That's what the prosecution has to prove. The motive is obvious. Yeah. Outlined by the prosecution, the motive was simply to maintain her relationship with Chad Daybell mm-hmm. um, and to collect the, the, the proceeds from the Social Security and the insurance payouts. Mm-hmm. That was it. So with all of that said, um, let's take a break. I need to take... Okay, so So let us continue, and we're going to take a look, or we're going to listen to some of the, there was this, I don't want to listen to the whole thing because this is a red long, we've already been going for over an hour, Mm -hmm. and by the way, I really don't care how long the show goes, Um, last week we did Letitia Stouch, we went for like an hour and a half, Mm -hmm. and that was, I got feedback, hey, um, you didn't have to cut that one short, oh, Mm -hmm. well, we could have went longer then, Mm -hmm. right, right. this is a phone call between Lori and her son, her eldest. Yes. And he's confronting her straight up about the mm-hmm. deaths. And it's this gut-wrenching phone call that we're going to listen to right now about, well, let's just. Hello? I thought that you 
or a completely different person. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know a murderous mother. You can make judgments when you aren't there and you don't know what happened. Uh, what happened? Everyone's making their own judgments. Mom, you've been shoving BS on my throat for a very long time. I'm going to talk to you. You can be mad. Sweet hey, listen to me. I'm not mad. Listen to me. Fine, listen to me. I've sat there and prayed. I can't tell you the amount of pain that I have felt from your decisions in Jesus Christ's name. It kills me to watch you sit here and tell me this is a trial. It kills me to watch you take the big picture out and say that this shouldn't have happened to you. When you are telling me that Chad Davis came into your life and all of a sudden Everything changes. And I'm talking about my spirit feels this. I'm afraid. I trust in you. I gave you every chance I could pass my limitations as a human being. I pushed past all of everything to try to get to you to help my own mother. You lied to me specifically to me. More times than I can count. To know that they're gone and you knew, and my phone's being texted by my little sister, who's not even alive, my little brother, who's the sweetest little kid ever, for what purpose can you tell me? This is God's will for my whole family, including my stepfather, to be dead. After everything that you've tried to tell me, you can tell me right now that Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, is on your side. You tell me that with all conviction in your heart, that Jesus Christ is on your side. Please.
Will you I get everything for more men for me? I hear Rick and Brown away together in Hawaii? How about that? If you would offer me, you would know. You cannot sit here and lie. That's not everything. That is not the truth. Okay? That's what people are they thinking. Were They're assuming. And then you walked away. hard to listen to uh and i just can't believe like the dismissive tone that lori had the entire call like yeah like well i'll tell you what that laugh in oh, the yes. middle of that phone call was when, mm-hmm. one of the most cheering chilling things i've ever heard when he calls her out about blasphemy and all that she's um, laughing at him yeah she just laughed at him yeah it's like she feels like she's above, like she knows it all about the religion and being safe and all that. And she's like, you don't know anything about it and going to laugh. <laughs> you know what I got from that? I feel like she was reaching into her bag of bullshit mm-hmm. and it was empty. There was nowhere else for her to yeah. go. I mean, look, all the evidence is out. Obviously, obviously her son um, is well-informed 
as mm-hmm. to, you know, the depth of her lies and uh, the reality of the evidence. Mm-hmm. And there is no question in his mind, based on that conversation, that he um, had any doubts about what happened to his yep. siblings. And so he's confronting his mom and, you know, and her, t- her, her baseline is to bullshit you into believing mm-hmm. her reality. Mm-hmm. But the account is empty. There's nothing left mm-hmm. in the bullshit bank. Yes. And so she was grasping whatever she can. And so she she lets out that little evil laugh mm-hmm. in the middle of the conversation. And it's just evidence to me that um, she that she was cornered. There was nothing mm-hmm. left to say. And so what's left to do except do this little evil stepmother laugh, mm-hmm. which is what she did. And um, I'll tell you what, I feel for the son. Um, oh, yeah. You kind of just wanted to give him a big hug. Like, what do you do? Like, what could you do? That poor guy, you know, has been dealing with that for his entire life. And now he's coming to the reality that his mother is responsible for all these things. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, you heard him say at the end of that phone call that he wanted to smash Chad Daybile in the face with a shovel, mm-hmm. which I thought was polite, you know, given all of the destruction that that relationship has caused. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, if you watched him in the Netflix documentary, the guy's got some real psychological issues, traumas that he's working through. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was all kind of on display. And if you want to talk about just a raw, when I used to work at the DA's office, I remember I used to listen in on these jailhouse calls. That's what mm-hmm. I do. I yeah. was a clerk, you know, I was like, I'm not even an attorney. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm in law school. I'm a second year student. I need something to do. All right, well here, listen to these mm-hmm. hours of jailhouse calls. And that's what I would do. And sometimes you would catch these moments similar to what you just heard. Mm-hmm. These very raw moments between family members where they get very real about the realities of the charges they were facing and the likely outcomes and these raw emotional displays. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly what this was. That's what that was. That's what that was. It's about as real as it gets. Mm -hmm. The reality of Lori's view of the universe is that she has uh, murdered at least three people, four Mm -hmm. people. You know, it's caused the death of at least four people that we're aware mm-hmm. of. Maybe five, maybe, maybe Alex, more. maybe mm-hmm. Alex. I don't know if that's coming down the pike, mm-hmm. but it's been alleged or suggested. And um, her reality of the universe, whatever she subscribes to, whatever your personal religious mm-hmm. beliefs are, has caused this destruction. Mm-hmm. And um, the immediate reality for her, and I'm sure she believes in the things that she says. I'm oh, yeah. positive that she believes that mm-hmm. she is a saint yes. or that she's an angel or she's somehow endowed with these religious powers mm-hmm. or whatever she thinks. Yes. I'm sure that she thinks that uh, when she dies, she's going to go to heaven mm-hmm. and that this stop in prison is a but a temporary uh, reprieve mm-hmm. um, from her business of going on and ruling the universe and, you know, whatever mythical star she's imagined for herself but um, the reality of her is she's never going to get out of prison, provided that one of these three murder trials ends up in a conviction against mm-hmm. her. She's going to be in, she's not facing the death penalty in this case. It's life without possibility of parole. Mm-hmm. So, but that's her reality for the next however long she's going to be there. Um, but as you saw, even with her son, mm-hmm. even confronted in real living color with the destruction that she's caused. She's still defiant 
mm-hmm. leeching on to these religious ideologies that she holds. And I, I believe she genuinely believes. Yes, is I true. think so. Mm-hmm. This is one of those that, because you can tell from other cases that they're just trying to look crazy or just find, trying to find an excuse. But yeah. this is one of those where they're like, yeah, she definitely believes what she's saying. Mm-hmm. No, she does. I mean, yes. there's, there's a long documented mm-hmm. history of it um, in various media sources and just the way that she lived her life. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's no doubt. So let's get into some of the other um, evidence in the trial. Um, this first bit of footage we're going to look at is her friend, Melanie Gibb. Mm-hmm. And she talks about um, some of the extreme beliefs that uh, Lori had that was that she witnessed mm-hmm. within Lori. It starts at about, let me just cue it up. Were you ever told yeah. with regard to Tylee being dark, did Lori ever tell you whether or not an evil spirit had entered Tylee? Yes. Do you recall approximately when that would have been? It was I, sometime between probably February or March to June, somewhere. I believe when she was in Texas, she maybe she shared with me when she was in Texas, which you probably can recall better when she was in Texas than I can, but it's probably like in May or April whenever she was there. That's what it feels like. That's what it was. Do you recall approximately when... Well, actually, let me back up. Did she ever tell you if JJ was taken over or possessed by an evil spirit? Yes, she did. And do you recall approximately when that would have been? Um, so, oh, sorry, I'm getting my, September, was it September 2019? Is that when I was, yeah, yes, yeah, September, yeah, two, yeah, September. 2019? Yeah. And was that the first time you'd heard of JJ being possessed? Yes. And you indicated previously, I believe, that Lori had talked about how both Charles and Tammy were supposed to pass away. Correct. Do you know what she told you regarding Tammy passing away? She learned from Chad that he knew years ago that she would be passing away, you know, early in her life. So... Just key testimony from that is that they were obviously plotting yeah, or telling planning. people mm-hmm. that, hey, these people are going to have short lives just so you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when it happens, maybe they're going to go stand on their, you know, victory circle. See, I told you my prophecies mm-hmm. are true. You should listen to me. You know, that kind of thing. But that testimony came out. And then she later testified. Um, well, she gives some testimony about the night that, um, well, she never saw JJ mm-hmm. again after September 22nd. Okay. Um, and then Lori was calling her up and asking her to lie about JJ's whereabouts. Do you recall any specific times that Chad contacted you? Yes. Um, it seemed like it was a few days in November before Thanksgiving, and he called me when I was in Utah, and he told me that the Rexburg police would be calling to not answer the phone. Did he expand on that as to why he didn't want you to answer the phone? Well, I had to ask him a few questions. And what did he tell you? 
um, he said that um, that the police were questioning at Lori's apartment where JJ was. And then I asked him, I said, he's not with Kay? And he said, no, he's not. And he had a nervous voice, and I asked him if he was, and he said yes. And he told me that Lori would be contacting me shortly after that. And you say you asked Chad if JJ was with Kay. Mm -hmm. Why did you ask him that? Because that's what I was told. That's where he went. So why would Kay be looking for him if Kay was had JJ? Do you recall who told you that he was with Kay? Lori did. And going forward to the date that Chad called and asked you not to speak with law enforcement, did Lori in fact reach out to you? She did. What did she say? Um, she said that um, the police had come by and she told the police that I had JJ. She told me to go to, that I, she told the police that I was, I took JJ to a movie called Frozen, I believe, and just take random pictures of kids running around at the movie theater. Was JJ with you? No. Did law enforcement try to reach out to you? They did. Did you pick up or respond to them initially? Not initially. And why did you not respond to them initially? I wasn't sure what in the world to do. Had Lori told you anything previously regarding law enforcement? Um, she, um, I'm not sure at this point when she shared with me, but she told me that they were dark and that they were, you know, after her, like Satan was after her with the other dark entities that they talked about. So they had become, they called them tra dark translated beings, I believe. The reason why that testimony is important is because they're trying to prove that she had knowledge mm -hmm. that the children were missing. Exactly. So this is around the time, September 22nd, around the time that they were actively looking for the children. And, you know, Lori is on the phone with her friend saying to lie about the last time she saw mm -hmm. JJ or lie about the whereabouts or whatever. So that testimony is very damaging in that it goes towards knowledge of guilt, you know, consciousness of guilt, but knowledge that they were gone, knowledge that they were already deceased, mm -hmm. um, pointing to her as having knowledge of this conspiracy of murder. Mm -hmm. So damaging to her. The next bit of testimony we're going to listen to. It was a phone call again between Melanie um, and Chad and mm -hmm. Lori. And then um, he confronts the couple as to where JJ is. Um, and then she starts, Lori starts blaming the grandparents. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to listen to some of that. So she's obviously recording this phone call, you know what I mean? Working with law enforcement, trying to get information. Yeah, um, so I wanted to know, um, remember we talked about JJ going to Kay's house and he told me he went there and now he's not there? I was wondering what happened. Well, I had to move in somewhere else because of her actions. So... Was 
was she trying to come get him or something? Or, like, trying to kidnap him? Well, she's, yeah, she said that all the times before, but, um... Okay, I, well, like, you know, I asked Chad the other day, I was like, hey, um, you know, where, where is JJ? And he said, for my security, he didn't want me to know, so is there a reason I should be in danger to know where he is? No, it's nobody, it's his danger. It's the danger that there's people after me. Okay. I was wondering why you told the police why he was with me. I just needed a new facility, so I wouldn't have to tell them where he really was. And they were going to tell Kay where he is. Oh, yeah. So, is it? You think it's like your family, or you know, like your family, your dad, or you know, the well, people? Family. Well, not my whole family, but you know, as you know, most of my family is working against me and yeah. with her, basically. Yeah. Is JJ safe? He is safe and happy. Darkness is knocking on the door all the time because that's the way dark works with the light. And I promise you that I have done nothing wrong in this case, but sometimes you have to hide in a cavity of a rock for your own life safety. And that's what the Lord requires of you, sometimes. And that's how it is. And I'm sorry that's how it is, because there is a lot of darkness on the earth. I am being controversial to me, or if you're recording this conversation for the police or whatever, I don't know what your intention is on this phone call, well, but uh, with all my heart, and I have forever, and I will always be. I appreciate those words, but if you really loved me, you wouldn't have told the police that I had JJ with me. That's not, that's not what a friend does. And that just makes me look weird. And it, it just, it's not safe for me. That doesn't look good. I mean, you had to think of my welfare if you love me. I do, and I did exactly what I felt the Lord was instructing me to do. And I appreciate you, and I love you. Love and I don't do anything to harm you. And you can have all of this confirmed to you by the Lord. I have, and my my conscience is clear. I feel very understanding what's really going on, Lori. And I believe that, look, I believe that you have been very deceived by Satan. I believe that he has tricked you. And I just, I don't believe that what you're doing is correct. I just don't, I mean, Tammy dies, and then your husband died. And then, he's, and then he's missing. It just doesn't sound like God's plan to me. It just sounds, it gives me a gut feeling. Like in my gut, it feels weird. It doesn't feel right. I don't have peace about it. I never have felt 100% peace about it. I always felt like a little weird in my stomach about all these things. You know me, Mel. You know me. This does not sound like you. This sounds like you've been influenced by somebody dark who wants you. She's a demon. Yeah. Believe dark things and have fear. Have fear of the celestial world. Of course. So, again, this is after the children are missing. And mm -hmm. so the reason why this is so destructive uh, for Lori is because, again, it's proven consciousness of guilt. Mm -hmm. She's talking about, you know, various things. She's kind of ingraining, you know, um, these weird religious ideologies 
um, that she has espoused to, and you know, she's not being forthcoming. Mm-hmm. And he's just she's asking, Why did you want me to lie for Lori? Why are you trying to say things to the police that aren't true? Mm-hmm. That I was with JJ, like, what is really going on? Where's the children? And she's on this this recorded phone call, and the, the jury's getting to hear this, um, which is important because they're being presented this as if. This is around the time that the children have definitely gone missing, Mm -hmm. you know? And so what they're hearing, they're hearing for the very first time um, that, you know, when the children were missing, Lori, rather than either actively looking for the children Mm -hmm. whom she doesn't honestly know the whereabouts Mm of, or, you know, raising alarms or doing whatever, she's trying to conceal information. Mm -hmm. She's actively trying to lie to the police, which suggests what? It suggests a guilty conscience, mm-hmm. consciousness of guilt. It suggests that she knew exactly where the children were. And if anybody found out, bad things would happen to her. Um, and if the jury believes all of those things, that's, you know, just in those, mm-hmm. in, these, in this phone call and Melanie Gibbs testimony, um, it's not very good for her. Yeah. And remember what they got to prove. They have to prove that she conspired to have all of these children murdered. Mm-hmm. What was motive? She wanted to maintain a relationship with Chad insurance payouts, whatever. But she conspired, she planned this whole thing out, and when it was done, she's actively trying to conceal. That's what all this evidence mm-hmm. goes towards. Uh, the next bit of testimony is just uh, some of the text messages. They had police detective Nathan Duncan uh, get on the stand, and all he did was read off some text messages that they recovered between Chad and Lori seven days after Charles was murdered by mm-hmm. her brother, Alex. And... Um, I think we also have uh, some text messages about three days before Tammy dies. Lori to Chad. I just got the letter from the insurance company saying that I am not the beneficiary. It's a spear through my heart. Who do you think he changed it to? Brandon or probably Kay? He left nothing for JJ. On 7-18-2019 at 12-19 hours, Lori sent Chad a message. So I talked to the insurance company. He changed it in March, so it was probably Ned before we got rid of him. They can't tell me to who, of course, but it's done. I'll still get the $4,000 a month from SS. So they used to call uh, Charles mm-hmm. Ned. That's how they refer okay. to him. Uh, that's who Ned is. Uh, but she's making reference to we got rid of him, mm-hmm. you know, and she's... Um, she didn't know that he took her off as a beneficiary. So she was anticipating getting all this money. And then as her fallback plan, well, I guess we're still going to collect $4,000 from the the social security Security. benefits or whatever. So it it shows her motive. It goes towards her motive of collecting benefits, get rid of Ned, collect some money. And then uh, there was some other uh, testimony about um, Tammy. Uh, there was there was a text message. I forget where in the the test the testimony it it came from, but there was a text message mm-hmm. from Chad to Lori, and it was a few days before Tammy had died, uh, saying, "I sense permanent freedom is coming." <laughs> Convenient. Yeah, and then a few days later, obviously Tammy is gone. <laughs> so um, the jury got to hear some of that. Some of the most interesting testimony came from Zulema. Pastenas, who is Alex Cox's widow, his okay. wife. And so she gets up there and uh, she talks about JJ. Uh, she talks about Tammy. Um, she talks about how she was told that those people were going to have a short life. And then she talks about what Alex told her 
um, the day before he died, mm-hmm. he revealed some information to her, and then the next day he was dead. Uh, so let's get a listen to some of that. Did um, Lori ever talk to you, or Lori and Chad ever talk to you about how long JJ, they expected JJ to live? Uh, Lori had said that he was going to have a very short life, um, and then um, in a meeting that we had at Lori's house in early August um, of 2019, he uh, said that JJ was going to have a very short life, that he was going to... um, and the reason why he was going to live a short life was because he was going to come right back as uh, Colby's child. So that was asked to JJ, and then she talks about Tammy. Here. I learned that, that she had been shot at by someone. Yes. Okay. Um, were you ever present um with Lori around that time that Tammy was shot at? Yes, the same night. Lori told me that um, Tammy had been possessed by a demon um, and that um, it was no longer her, kind of like the same thing that she had said about um, Charles, and that um, she needed my help um, casting um, casting out from her. Okay. And did um, what, did you guys do a casting on Tammy? Yes. And then afterwards, she received a phone call from someone. Okay. And was she near you when she got that phone call? Yes. Okay. Um, what was her attitude and demeanor when she got that phone call? She was very, very angry, scary angry. Now this is the night that Tammy that Tammy was shot at. Correct. Okay. So and so Listen to this um, while she's on the phone, she appears angry and scary angry. Did you hear anything she said? Yeah, she was using some very derogatory terms such as idiot, moron, um, and just being very, very angry with whoever she was on the phone with. Okay. Um, after she got off the phone, what um, did she say to you? She said, idiot, can't do anything right by himself. Can't do anything right by himself. This was after the paintball incident, remember? Mm -hmm. The supposed paintball incident. And so um, there's more testimony to that effect. After you learned that Tammy died, did you talk to Lori about that situation um, with her and Chad? Now that Tammy's gone, what did Lori say was going to happen? Well, she said that um, she said that that Chad and, and her had received um, instructions and visitations from angels that had come and taught them how to cast out demons, and now they knew how to do it, and that is the reason why. Tammy had passed away because they were able to finally um, learn how to do um, casting of a demon. 
So why is that important? So here's their plan. It's all coming out, and she's basically reciting it. Hey, well, mm-hmm. look, they're all di- uh, blah, they're all demons. Mm-hmm. They had to be casted out, and that's why they're all dead. Um, that's why uh, Ned Charles died. That's why Tammy died. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the other testimonies suggest that well, JJ and Tylee mm-hmm. were the, uh, the same uh, ilk. And now, the most interesting of all of this. I don't know what to make of Alex's death, but let's mm-hmm. form your own conclusions. Listen to this bit of testimony that she gives about what she, Alex told her the day before he died. What is going on? What is happening? How come they're, you know, they're not here? That we you don't even know where they're at. We don't even know where they're at. No. When you say they, who are you talking L- about? Laurie and Chad. We don't know where Laurie and Chad are at. Um, what is happening? Um, and what reaction did he have? Ultimately, what did he say? He, he was very quiet and unresponsive. And then he said, um, I think I'm being their fall guy. Okay. I and think I'm being their fall guy. And what did you say? I said, fall guy for what? What is it that that you have done? What, what have you done that you would be the fall guy for? Um, so I... It was like I kept pressuring him, and I was so frustrated because he wasn't answering me. So I would walk away, and he would say something, and then I would come back, and and then I would pressure him again. And then he said, um, one of the times when I was walking away from him, he said, um, Suama, either I am a man of God or I am not. Either I'm a man of God or I am not. Hmm. And the very next day, he was dead. That's... So, what do you make of that, Eliana? They definitely were involved in that. I mean, <laughs> there's no doubt. But it's bizarre that Alex freaking died. He said, hey, I'm, yeah. I'm, I think they're going to make me out to be the fall guy. Mm-hmm. And either I'm a man of God or I'm not. And then the next day, he has a, after mm-hmm. he has a conversation with his wife, then he passes away. Natural causes or otherwise. Who knows? Nobody's on trial for that murder. Mm -hmm. Um, The last piece of evidence that's come out that I'm going to play for you Mm -hmm. is the famous phone call between Chad and Lori. Okay. That took place as the FBI and law enforcement was searching Chad's property for the remains of the the children. This is a jailhouse call. Okay. And this is uh, what the jury heard. Interesting. That was um. He feels defeated. He sounds defeated. I know. He sounds like somebody just shot his yeah. dog or something. You know, yeah. I mean, just uh, this lumpy, <laughs> dumpy, old Chad over there, and um, talking to Lori. And I mean, 
what if your husband called you, you know, and said, hey, the police are here. The FBI mm-hmm. is like digging in the yard. Like, what would you tell him? Like, what would be your first reaction? Like, what questions would you ask? <laughs> um, I mean, of course, like, why? I mean, it depends, like, as being Lori or as not knowing anything Okay. About why they're there. So here's a scenario. Your husband has mm-hmm. called you, and let's just say that you have no reason to believe mm-hmm. that law enforcement has interested you for okay. anything. Say, hey, so law enforcement is here. The FBI is here, mm-hmm. and they're digging in the yard. What do you say to your husband? Okay. So I have two answers. One of them is going to be like, of course, like, why? Like, do you know something, or did they say why they're there, or... Uh, did they have a warrant? Like, what's going on? Did you do something that I don't know? Did you do something? <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> now, my second answer will be, I'm sorry for talking out loud at Home Depot because the other day we were buying a shovel and I don't know, I guess I was watching too many murder <laughs> series and, I, and he asked me, is this one good? I'm like, yeah, that's perfect for... Uh, I, I, I said it in Spanish, but uh, for making the hole for the dead body. <laughs> and apparent, the dead. apparently there were people in the hallway that I didn't see and they looked at me and I was like, and he's like, well, if police comes to the door, you already know why. I'm like, well. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you did. <laughs> yeah, but that happened recently. So that's why I'm like, well, <laughs> it might be my fault. But yeah, I mean, of course I would question like what's going on. I wouldn't be so like, oh. Okay. Yeah, like yeah. resolved to like, oh, well, obviously they're going to look. Yeah, like they, like she knows why they're there. Like yeah. That's how it sounds She knows to me. why they're there and she knows what they're going to find. Exactly. And so the, the jig is up and you can, mm-hmm. you could hear it in Chad's voice. You know, I was like, oh, shit, they're about to find all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His voice sounded more defeated than her. Well, Lori is a prophet, remember? She's yeah. uh, She could, has the ability to see demons mm-hmm. and um, cast demons out and... Um, identify zombies and mm-hmm. spiritually bankrupt individuals. That's her gig, right? And so she has, even if it's delusional, uh, more optimism than Chad. But Chad mm-hmm. is like, oh, shit, what did I just get mm-hmm. myself involved with? Uh, well, at that point, you know, mm-hmm. the arrest and then the trial and then here we are. And I think we're going to close the show with that. The trial is still ongoing. And so I expect that a verdict is going to be reached in that case. Um, well, I expect that the trial is going to wrap up um, not this week, probably, mm-hmm. because the, the, it seems like um, the prosecution has a ways more to go. Um, but maybe next week, maybe we mm-hmm. get a verdict around that time. Who knows? Maybe live. We were once live <laughs> on the air when the verdict that we were following, you know, was rendered. And um, <clears throat> we'll see. But, yeah, that is the Lori Vallow case. And, again, all of this, you know, bizarreness that we've talked mm-hmm. about is not evidence of guilt if the jury doesn't believe that it makes her guilty. And, you know, we have our opinions, but we are not the ones rendering the verdict, and the jurors are not being presented this evidence the same way that I presented it on the show. They're having to go through the uh, due process Mm -hmm. of law, and so they're getting to hear all these facts for the first time. Presumably, they've all said under oath that they don't know who, they have no idea who Lori Vallow is or Chad Daybell, and they don't know anything about no zombies or demons, so they're going to form their own opinions. We'll see what they come up with. Um, I can tell you that more so than... Even the Murdoch case, 
Um, and as much, I, I would say, probably as to Letitia Stouch, I think the general public has their minds made up as to the Daybells. And a lot of that has mm-hmm. to do with the media coverage and the Netflix special that yeah. has uh, came about. Um, but as to what actually happens, we'll see. I'd be shocked if there was an acquittal. Um, no, I would be shocked. Even mm-hmm. if it's a circumstantial case, I think mm-hmm. there's enough there that yeah, there, there's enough to convict. I think so. All I'm saying is it's not as uh, black and white mm-hmm. as you may want it to be. It's easy. The prosecution has, uh, th- well, they, they, they have, a, they got a tough job to mm-hmm. do. And so we'll see how they do. But ladies and gentlemen, uh, that was episode 34 of the Tilted Lawyer podcast. And I'll tell you what. Uh, we're 1,277 subscribers strong on the YouTube channel. On our audio podcast, I have no idea how many followers we have because <laughs> they don't track that information the same way that YouTube does. I can only tell you that thousands of people mm-hmm. are downloading our shows um, every week when they come out. And so we have a small but growing cult following. And if you are listening to this show for the first time, Thank you for getting all the way mm-hmm. from what may have been our longest episode ever. We're cracking the two-hour yeah. barrier after editing. It may be an hour, 45 minutes. We'll see. But um, thank you for uh, thank you, and welcome to the family. <laughs> um, we, we put out shows for the most part on a weekly basis unless I need a mental health break. I needed a yes. mental health break. I needed to get away from all of this death and destruction mm-hmm. and torture of children that we've been covering for the last couple of weeks. And plus my own cases have uh, led me down um, just this depressing avenue that I needed to uh, decompress from. Mm-hmm. Um, I took my children to, uh, you know, they started doing the, the the annual passes for Disneyland again. Yes, I heard that. So that was a thing that I used to do with my eldest daughter, who mm-hmm. is uh, about to be 17 in May. Um, but my three-year-old, well, she I got to remember, she's four now. Four now. <laughs> yeah, my four-year-old and my two-year-old, who's about to be three, well, they've never had passes. I've taken them to Disneyland a couple of times, mm-hmm. but it's always such a pain in the ass taking them because they're toddlers. And so <laughs> I don't know when the last time you've been to uh, Disneyland, but I went and I, with my wife mm-hmm. and her sister and our children, and um, they were like, oh, we're going to go to California Adventure mm-hmm. and we're going to do this international wine tasting festival and we're going to have a good time and drinking wine and casual whatever. Mm-hmm. They have wine tasting now, California yep. Adventures. And I'm thinking in my head, knowing, you know, what I went through with my eldest, mm-hmm. there's not a chance in hell that we're doing any of that. There's no wine tasting when you got we're a three-year-old be, and a yes. two-year-old in tow. And, oh, I was so not prepared. When I go to Disneyland with my children... Mm-hmm. I don't prepare for fun. I prepare for the mm-hmm. workout because you're holding them workout. in line yes. and trying to um, prevent them from running off. Mm-hmm. And like when you're holding them, they get restless. And so you're holding them in your arms and they're trying to climb over your shoulders and on mm-hmm. your heads. And you could try to put them on your shoulders, but then they're clawing at your eyes and in mm-hmm. your mouth. And oh, you leave yeah. Disneyland just completely sore <laughs> and exhausted, and there's no fun. There's no, no fun. Not for the adults. Yeah, yeah. You're there for the kids. You're there to get a workout and watch your kids have fun. There's mm-hmm. no wine tasting involved. And so we did that this week, and um, that's what we did over the weekend, uh, trying to decompress mm-hmm. from all of that. That's good. But other than that, you know, we had a great time. It was great. Mm-hmm. And I have annual passes now, so we'll be going to a lot more yeah. of that. And so um, I, I might as well get in shape. 
in uh, child watching at Disneyland shape. There's a difference. Yes. Between physical yes. shape and that kind of shape. That's the marathon. <laughs> uh, there's like special muscles that you don't exercise normally mm-hmm. at the gym that you exercise with children. And that's what we'll be doing. Uh, but at any rate, Eliana, it's been a two hour long show. I don't. Yeah remember the last time we've done a show this long i don't know we've ever done a show this long um but we had a lot to talk about and mm-hmm. you know it's been gone for uh, a couple of weeks and so here we are yeah um do you have any parting words for uh your listening audience no i actually don't know well audience she doesn't have anything to say to you all but, sorry um, i'm just hungry oh she's hungry and you know there's things and just hey it's been a long day yes but what i will say to all of our growing audience um is thank you for joining the family and um you can catch us on whatever podcast uh carrier you listen to we're on all of them um and of course you could always watch us on the youtube channel um but i find uh, my personal preference is this show is best consumed as a podcast in mm-hmm. its audio format while you're doing other things. Yeah. But if you really want to watch the YouTube channel and watch uh, my me spout about and, you know, talk in some of the, the video that we do, mm-hmm. then we're, you, you could always catch us on the YouTube channel. But with all of that said, it is a crazy, crazy world out there. Mm-hmm. And you never know what's going to happen. And with all of that, keep your loved ones close. Give your kids a hug. Uh, keep your spouse close keep your doors locked most importantly and um, cherish every moment that you have with them and until uh, then uh, for now we're going to bid you all adieu and wish you all a pleasant uh, good evening and a goodbye and we'll see you next time bye bye thank you all for listening to the entire podcast we really do appreciate that and as always, you can find us on YouTube on the Total Lawyer Podcast YouTube channel or on your podcast carrier of choice. If you feel we've presented anything of value, please leave a five-star rating, like, and subscribe. We always appreciate that kind of thing. And we do look forward to seeing you all again live every Thursday at 3 in the afternoon. We love you all. Take care. Bye-bye.